Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is church choirs. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, church choirs. Let's start with a little background. What are they, other than the obvious, and how long have they really been a thing? You know, I think they've been a thing for a very long time. I don't know exactly when they began to be a recognized normal part of worship services. I would presume that they came into being when church was legal, but Mm -hmm. I wonder whether or not music has always been a part of worship services. And if gathered bodies of people have always had some kind of formal music participation, but I haven't researched it. This might be a great question to invite someone in who has more music history, more church music history than I do for particular influence on church choirs. What we do know is that in contemporary kind of conversation, church choirs are gathered individuals who attend worship on Sunday morning in order to sing and enhance the worship experience through practiced pieces of choral works, whether they are anthems or particular songs that are written in order to for example, enhance a psalm reading Mm -hmm. or to bring light to a specific piece of scripture. Choir pieces can offer a new insight into the worship service for the day or offer a time of reflection. They're incredible pieces of liturgy, the work of the people. I have to admit, I don't really remember a church choir growing up being Catholic, I think of the Lutherans having sat with my in-laws many, many times in a service with all of their harmonies and singing. I think of the Mm -hmm. Lutherans as being more of a musical bunch of people, a more musical denomination. But in your ministry and in your history, what have you seen as far as church choirs? Are they typically depending on the size of the congregation or is it more where you are in the United States that they're more popular or not? I don't know. I think it probably has to do with who's able to volunteer in your congregation. I think denomination also makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Lutherans do like to sing together and we do like to sing in harmony together. Mm -hmm. We really have a strong tradition of that within our denomination and our colleges and universities take music and choral music very seriously. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. That is a big part of what we do. But also, if we think about kind of Black church and Black church history and gospel music, there's a huge amount of gospel music that goes into Baptist churches and the way in which that enhances the worship experience. You can even look to contemporary evangelical churches And it might be called a church band rather than a church choir, but it is a group of individuals, a group, maybe volunteers, maybe some paid, that make up designated singers, designated music makers who help to lead the worship service. Episcopalians often have a group of singers 
choristers who will sing and help lead the music for the day. Sometimes many of them will even have individuals in each section of the soprano, alto, tenor, bass, who are the leads for each of those sections, who are compensated financially, who are leaders of those sections in order to round out the tone or keep that section singing strongly. And then the remainder are volunteers from members of that congregation in order to help the sound be robust and strong for the music for any given worship service. So singing as an embodied people, singing in harmony, singing together, breathing together and making joyful music, making loud, robust or quiet and contemplative music together is a substantial part of worship experience across denominations and even across faith traditions. All right. First, I'm going to ask you about the songs that they typically sing, specifically in the churches that you've been to. Do they Mm -hmm. usually pick stuff that comes out of the hymnal or is it something that's more extraordinary, for lack of a better word? It really depends upon the capacity of the singers within the choir itself. So if you're talking about a volunteer choir, one of the biggest challenges, and this has been at all of the congregations that I have served at, one of the largest challenges that is kind of perennial, that comes back every single year that you hear this from all choir directors, paid or unpaid, is the challenge that with a volunteer choir, you never know who is going to be there on any given Sunday. Yeah, that's hard. It's very hard, especially as choirs get smaller and smaller throughout the years, because as we are all aware across Christendom, particularly in North America, but across the world right now, Christianity and participation in organized religion is diminishing. Attendance is getting smaller. Mm -hmm. So choirs are getting smaller. Volunteer bases are getting smaller. So you may have at one point in time, say 1950, have had a choir of 45 people showing up on a Sunday morning. So if you had 10 people out of that choir, it might not have made that big of a difference because you still had 35 people there to carry the tune. But if you have a choir of 10 people and now four of them are missing, you might have lost all of your tenors, or you may no longer have any altos who are showing up. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, your piece is missing either an entire part, or you have that one singer whose heart is beautiful and full, but maybe they have a harder time finding the notes, Mm -hmm. right? It's just much more challenging. And so where historically some congregations may have used some of these extraordinary or challenging choral pieces, some of this church music and choir anthems that can be extremely difficult and very hard and stunning when done and spend weeks or months perfecting and creating this incredible anthem for this wonderful piece. But now that you're down to a chamber choir, truly Mm -hmm. six to eight people in your chamber choir, now instead we have one or maybe two rehearsals, maybe two hours to put an entire piece together. If that or 45 minutes, maybe now we're pulling something from a hymnal. 
or a piece of music that can be put together in 45 minutes with minimal rehearsal, something we've sung before, or something whose music is just easier to read. And it is not that any of these are better or worse than others. It is just that there is a time and a place for all different things. And we pull music and we pull different settings for what is right in the right time. Interesting. So I'm guessing all ages are welcome. If anybody has got the ability to read in any case, you can come and join the choir, right? Yes. Now, in some situations, there will be age delineations. So some congregations or worship gatherings will have children's choirs or youth choirs where they are very much focused on creating opportunities that will be for the attention spans and the skill levels and the vocal capacities of younger, less developed voices. That makes sense. Keeping in mind that the vocal cords physically themselves are not as developed when you are younger. And so it is important to be wise about how younger voices use their vocal cords and what range they sing in and those kinds of pieces. And so you might have a youth choir and then an adult choir. But once you have vocal cords that can sing and you can pay attention long enough, then yes, pretty much from the age of 15 on up to 105, mm-hmm. if you can sing it, come on in. How important do you think church choirs are to how the ELCA sees itself? Like we're talking about the choirs becoming smaller and smaller and harder to sort of maintain for particular congregations, depending on their size. Do you think it will be something that at some point you just have to cut out completely? And how much would that actually change how the ELCA sees itself? You've touched on a big question there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think this is one of those core identity pieces and it differs from congregation to congregation for sure. But I think think that it's also one of those pieces that is a core identifier as ELCA congregations, that many congregations have some kind of core music program, that there is something about music that is happening within a congregation. And for many, it is choir, but for others, it might be some other kind of specific music program. And when that particular music program begins to shift, release, untangle, or unweave from a congregation's identity, Mm -hmm. that is one of those hidden pieces that there is true inherent change happening to a congregation's sense of identity. And as that happens, I think you'll notice or... A quiet mind or a discerning mind will notice the agitation of a system really begin to amp up because it's one of those hidden flags that something is really changing here. And so it's like when a lot of changes happen in a sanctuary or, you know, sometimes we can notice a big change really obviously 
right? So when a, a rostered leader changes, that's really obvious. Mm-hmm. Or when we paint the walls a different color, that's really obvious. Or when we change a logo, that's really obvious. But these quieter changes that are so much a part of who we are, as they start to shift and change, it's even hard to articulate why it feels so strange to have it changing, but we know it really matters. And so we start to cling harder and harder and harder to it Mm -hmm. because we know that if that changes, that really something is different. The ELCA will continue to be the ELCA even if we don't have music ministries. Sure. That will happen. And... I think that the Lutheran Church will always have music ministries because I think that music is a part of being Lutheran. Okay. What that will look like, how that will be, how that continues to grow, I don't know. It will be fascinating to see, but it's a great question that you've asked. So partly we're talking about church choirs because of your sermon last Sunday when you were talking about (laughs) preaching to the choir, which I think is a phrase most of us are familiar with. And it typically means that you are talking about a subject with people who are very like-minded. But that's not really the spin that your sermon was taking, was it? No, it was very interesting. So here's my confession. That particular phrase, right, uh, is usually used as, well, don't just go preach into the choir. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So don't just say the same thing to people who agree with you. You can't just speak to people who agree with you. You need to convince people who don't agree with you of things. Mm -hmm. So this is my confession. I was listening to a podcast last week about my nerdy happy stuff. This came from a podcast called Fireside Chat for a D&D new podcast called the Wizard, the Witch, and the Wild one. Okay. And this is like telling how the like the background chat about the latest story episode. Okay. And Erica Ishii is the host. And at one point she said, well, this is like preaching to the choir. She said, but you know what? People actually do preach to choirs. Choirs are in the room. You preach to them. Mm-hmm. And choirs still need preaching too. And then the three of them sat and talked for a minute about how it's not just that you always go out and you change other people's minds or you try to tell other people the good news. The choir needs to hear the good news, too. Sure. That's reality. Like, we all need to hear the good news from time to time, even when we have heard the good news a thousand times. So that was in my head as I was preaching. And then I get to this point where we're talking about these incredible lessons of like the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr, and being living stones and building the kingdom of God and 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 these these lessons that are like hard mm-hmm. but are there to tell us that God is gonna be with us even when things are hard and that we can have hope. Stoning is a hard thing to hear no matter what age right. like, and where you are. Right. We're listening to this story about like the first murder Mm -hmm. in a week when we've had more gun violence, Mm -hmm. right? Like more mass violence. I can't even, the news. Mm -hmm. Ah, Right. And I look out to the congregation and everyone who was in the room this last Sunday was either a choir member, a staff member, or a family member of a choir member. Mm -hmm. 
And there may have been one or two additional people within the room who were like stalwarts as well. Mm -hmm. Other people who are part of the altar guild, which is just as much preach into the choir as a choir member, right? The altar guild are just as much present every week. So that whole section about preach into the choir was not in my manuscript for the sermon, but it was that moment of looking up and being like, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, literally, Mm -hmm. but y'all need to hear this word of hope too. We all need to hear this word of hope too. This is not just a word of hope for people who haven't heard it before. This is not just a word of hope for people who came before us and who lived in the time of martyrs. This is not just a word of hope for people who in theory need to hear about these things. This is the word of hope for those of us who show up week after week after week after week after week, who give our time, who give our talent, who give our treasure, who are dedicated members of community, who make it a point because that's often who your choir members are, right? Mm -hmm. They are the dedicated members of a community who show up and are core volunteers. And this is one of their core volunteer locations in their life. And being a church choir member is a core identifier in their life. So preaching to the choir isn't just about preaching to those who agree with you in that sense, in that moment. And I really appreciated what this podcast was saying. Like, it's not just about that. It's also about feeding the people who need also to be fed, Mm -hmm. who need to be reminded. In this case, that even amidst the challenges, even amidst the ongoing violence, even amidst the ongoing despair and frustrations and the challenges we have with all kinds of things going on in our lives, God is with us. There is hope. There is a pathway forward and God will be with us through it. And that's why we're here week after week. That's what we believe in. That's why we join our voices in song and we find strength in singing together about it. So let's get together. Let's join the choir Let's sing together and we're going to keep on going on. And so it came from my nerdiness. I love it. It totally came from my nerdiness. The other nerd factor that you may not have caught, but was totally in this last sermon was there was literally a line in there where I said something about Stephen was doing all of the things that Jesus did that makes empire nervous. Stephen was, you know, reallocating resources, providing healing, providing food, shelter, all of the pieces. He was striking at the heart of empire in ways that makes it nervous. And sometimes empire strikes back. Mm -hmm. Did you catch it? I did catch that. It was a total nerd reference. (laughs) Every now and then my little, my little nerd light shines. I said it with a straight face, too. It was a thing of beauty. (laughs) And for those listening who may or may not have been listening to us before, there is a podcast that we've done on Dungeons and Dragons that I will link to on this podcast page. And you should absolutely go check that out. There is. Okay, I'm going to ask you something that probably doesn't have an answer, but I'm going to see if you have ideas off the top of your head. 
Okay. Given the way that church choirs are sort of dwindling, what would you love to see happen with them? Would you love to sort of throw open the doors to the local high schools and say, come sing on a Sunday morning? Or what? do you have any ideas on how to sort of, quote unquote, revitalize them? I think instead of trying to remember what used to be, which is always the danger with church stuff. Yes, it is. It's embracing what is now. Okay. And while there is a great fun and joy in singing in large choirs, there is such a joy and such an intimacy and such an incredible experience in really singing in chamber choirs. Mm -hmm. You can have an incredible full sound with four singers. You don't have to have 25 singers to get a full sound. Mm -hmm. Chamber choirs, small groups of six, 10 vocalists who really work on blending and really work on singing together and being together with one voice can create tremendous, incredible music when you embrace the sense of who you are, not who you were or who you could be, mm -hmm. but embracing who you are. There is incredible holiness in that. And I think that's an incredible lesson for all of Christendom right now is to say, stop looking back to who you were. Stop trying to focus on who we could be if only so-and-so would show up mm -hmm. and focus on who you are right now. Use the gifts you have right now. Focus on blending the voices you have right now, highlighting and treasuring the gifts you have right now. And watch the harmonies come to life. Watch the incredible chamber music that can come. Because that is astonishing. And how beautiful can that be? I mean, I wasn't good enough to be in the chamber choir at my university, Right. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't even attempt to sing at my university. Right. Like I was in the choir, like I was in the lower level big choir. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we oftentimes in the church get caught in this idea. I mean, in North America, we get caught in this idea that bigger is better. Mm -hmm. And we don't let ourselves ponder how powerful uniting voices, even in small groups, can be. And I think if we can really just embrace who we are and celebrate the gifts and talents that we have right now, there's a treasure in that. So that would be what I, what I encourage right there. Excellent. Okay. That's going to lead me to my last question. I'm assuming you've been part of many church choirs. What do you think is your favorite moment? There has to have been at some point where you're like, this is amazing and a memory I'm going to hold forever. It's so hard because singing in choirs on Sunday mornings is so challenging for me as a church leader. Oh, I bet. Because normally my throat is so dry because I've been talking so much. Sure. It's really hard to sing. So if I think back, the example that comes to my mind was actually my ordination day. And this choir sang on my ordination and we sang a piece from one of the projects that I put together for during my internship was that we did an entire like, it was a Christmas oratorio type thing mm -hmm. of Michael W. Smith music. Mm -hmm. And 
the Agnus Dei that was in that, we sang at my ordination together as a choir. And I think, I can't remember if it was before or after the big moment where I got my stole and everything, but I remember singing that with the choir, with people that I loved, with people that I love in the room and just being joyful and just shoulders relaxed and having a good blend with the group, Mm -hmm. not having a hard time singing because it was in a good range for me Mm -hmm. and all of those things. So I think there was something about that particular moment that I was relaxed. I was joyful. I was with people that, that I loved in a place that I loved. It was over here at Creator Lutheran in Clackamas. That was where I was ordained. And that was pretty special. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about church choirs. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And if any of you have church choir memories you would enjoy sharing, we would love to hear about them. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org or find us on Facebook and share your story on the post. It would be incredible to hear. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.